Moncrief on News Talk. Now, this month, 60 years ago, TV watchers in Ireland sat down to watch Ireland's first TV soap. Tolka Rowe told the story of a Dublin community on the north side of the city and ran for four years. Sadly, very little of it remains. Eamon Bohan is curator of the Irish Pirate Radio Archive in DCU. Afternoon, Eamon. Good afternoon, Sean. How are you? Uh, so, Interesting network. Uh, <laughs> interesting we're going from, from talking about sex to a show that never had any sex. Yes, <laughs> or might have been even implied in it. The, uh, yeah. like, when, uh, how long was R- R- RT television on the air before Talca Row came along? Uh, they were only on the air for the two years. So they only came on the air on the 31st of December, 61. So it was only a couple of years before they decided that a, a soap would be the way to get some viewers on board. And they had seen the template of Coronation Street which had become quite a success, so they followed that up. Right, okay. And so in, in searching round uh, uh, for, you know, an Irish-appropriate template, did they consider various things, or, or was Moral Laverty's plays, you know, the, the obvious leading contender? I, it was the obvious leading contender. It had been performed uh, several times at the gate. Uh, the head of drama at the time uh, knew Moral well. It had been performed on BBC television in 1959 as a one-off play and had appeared on BBC radio a couple of years earlier. So it was, you know, the template was there already that it could be turned into television. And they approached Maura and asked, could she produce a weekly TV series? And she said she would. OK. And so, so she, and it was a trilogy of plays she, she, she'd produced initially. Yeah, it was a trilogy. Talca Row was one, uh, Liffey Lane was another, and The Tree and the Crescent was the third one. Uh, they had, some of them were based on books she had written, uh, although a number of her books had been banned, uh, again, because of its sexual frankness. Yeah. Uh, so she kind of... Um, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we should put that into context. This was 1960s <laughs> Ireland. You were, you were a yeah. rubbish writer, unless one of your, at least one of your books was banned, I, yeah. I would have thought. Yeah. She was very popular. Uh, she, she got a letter from Brendan Behan one time that her books were very popular while he was in prison. They were being handed around, so... <laughs> So, the, the, and so the, the the basic idea was that you had two families in Talca Row. One was kind of more middle class and aspirational, and one was more working class. Was that was that the gen where the kind of conflict yeah, that's came the, from? Yeah, that's where the friction was, and there was a couple of other families in it, uh, like the Nolans, Jack and Rita were the two main families. Uh, the backstory was they had moved from Tenement Liberties into this Talca Row, so they were moving up, and there's a couple of other families there, kind of moving down. Uh, so it was kind of friction and that was it was the workings of an inner class or working class inner city community in Dublin very urban uh, so it was kind of described as uh, initially as one half of Ireland seeing what the other half lived like yeah so so it, so then it, it did at least was seemed to be addressing issues around class class yes and poverty economics was probably more uh, the issue you know a lot of pub talk sitting around the counter the lads would be talking and it would be about money and there was one family the butlers who were kind of on the edge to were kind of petty crime uh queenie butler was the the mother of the house she was played by uh may mccluskey who would be the sister of the future labor leader frank mccluskey oh yeah and, and like brenda frick was in it there was a there was a lot of very well-known names who appeared in this yeah again rt were fledging station they had their own drama department the repertory company so there was jobs for them and they got actors from the abbey and the gate so it was actually providing a fair bit of work uh, for you know actors at the time, um, and it was a one a week, once a week serial. 
you know, filmed indoors. There was no on-location filming. It was all filmed in studio. And of course, it was in black and white uh, in those oh, days very, as well. Very, very black and white. Yes. It's a very black, very black and white society <laughs> we lived in at the time. Well, yes, indeed. And did it generate any controversy? Um, no, now, I assume no, they, were, uh, they were kind of safe about things. But given this, that was a very Dublin-centric kind of soap. Uh, the rest of the country must have been going, well, what about us? Yeah, well, that was uh, addressed in, in 64 when RT came up with the Reardons. Uh, one of the uh, writers who helped Maura Lafferty was Wesley Burroughs. And, of course, he was the one that created the Reardons in 1964. Ah, so RT right. really had two soaps going at the time. And, again, they were a little bit like, like all the times, uh, financially cash-strapped. Uh, so kind of running two soaps was probably a bit difficult at the time. And that seemed to be uh, that seemed to be an ongoing issue. Even like the actors weren't always paid that regularly. No, and that was um, uh, Des Perry, who played Jack Nolan, uh, eventually left the soap uh, due to the fact that he wasn't being paid well, and only came back for the final episode. Uh, a lot of the actors, and it, it changed. RTE announced when they were finishing the soap, said that well, it had come to its natural conclusion where in fact there was a lot of discontent behind the scenes, especially with the pay they were getting. Again, RTE being stretched with, you know, the Reardons, which they now had a, an outside broadcast unit to do down in, in County Mead. So they were kind of, it was really a bit of a struggle for them. Yeah, I, I, I'd imagine so. And even, you know, and it's, <laughs> there's a lot of giving out about RTE wasting money, but uh, um, there aren't that many tapes of Tolka Row surviving. One. Um, Just one? Final- just one, yeah. Final episode. Each season had twenty six, about twenty six episodes, about a half a year's worth uh, over the four years. And the final episode, what RT were doing again because of their financial situation, they it would be recorded on tape. Uh, it would be broadcast on a Friday night, and that tape then would be used to record the late late show on Saturday night. The same physical tape. The same physical tape. It would yeah. be recorded over and over again until it was no longer fit for purpose. And that's how, you know, I mean, a lot of early RT archives are, are, are lost in that way, mm. which is a shame. Um, but I mean, you could see the final episode where, I mean, the, the natural conclusion was that the, the Nolan family emigrated. And again, that was a, a sensitive issue at the time. Yeah. There was a lot of emigration in, in the late 1960s. So they were tackling in a certain way. Uh, but there was a little bit of sadness that uh, talk arose ending, especially for urbanites, especially probably for Dubliners who were Maybe the, the most, uh, the biggest contingent of viewers was those in the, the Leinster area. So it was a big loss to them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the actually, reasons. somebody texted in to say, we, were, uh, we as a Dublin family absolutely love Talca Road. Very disappointed when it stopped being aired. We couldn't relate to the Reardons. Um, yeah, it was a lot of that. Even, even in RT to try a, a Cork-based soap at the time called Southside, it only lasted one season, to try and, and move out of uh, Dublin. Uh, but that's when they, they came up with the idea of the Reardons are more rural, which was, again, hopefully to helping the farmers educate them. Um, but there was not much education being done on, on Tolka Row. But like Tolka Row was, was topping the TAM ratings. It was beating the Late Late Show. Uh, of all the programs, uh, the American import that was probably the most popular time was the Virginian. Huh. I'm sure some people will remember that. But that was it, it was Tolka Row was topping the ratings, even beating the Reardons. Yeah. And, and Moral Laverty, though, was the first two se- uh, seasons of it she was involved in. Yeah, she was. Unfortunately, she passed away in, in 1966. Uh, and the writing then was taken over by the likes of Lee Dunn, uh, Wesley Burroughs, Colin Bird, and uh, David Davenpower's father. Huh. 
And and Lee Dunn, of course, people would remember Harbour Hotel um, yeah, on the radio. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And more, was, more soaps. Yeah, more soaps. That's extraordinary. Tell us, before I let you go, Eamon, tell us about the Irish Pirate Radio Archive uh, that you're in char- charge of in DCU. Yeah, it's, it's where since like 2018 we've been uh, collecting and preserving pirate radio history from Ireland from very early days. But of course, throughout the golden era of pirate radio, which would have been the 70s and 80s. So we've, we're collecting physical memorabilia like uh, tapes, uh, posters, pamphlets, photographs, thousands of photographs. And we have thousands and thousands of audio tapes, which are slowly being digitised and put up online. Right. So a lot of the, a lot of the material that would have been broadcast during that period, they did actually record it as well. They, they didn't record it. Uh, ah. People like me, who would be described as an anorak, would have recorded it. And uh, we've saved it because it was a, a golden year. Again, you probably remember maybe, yeah. you know, that favourite favorite tune that you heard, you were trying to make sure that you didn't get the DJ telling you what the tune was and you pressed down <laughs> record and, and trying, to, trying to catch the DJ out and not have him. Uh, but a lot of people just recorded whole shows. Yeah. Oh, no, I mean, very, yeah, and, and I don't want to be Dublin-centric about this uh, uh, because people, like, there was an awful lot of pirate radio stations in Dublin. Like, but how widespread were they in other parts of the country? Well, in 1980, take one weekend in 1987, uh, we've catalogued that there was 115 pirate stations on the air. My word. At, at any one period. So, like, from, they were in cities, like, there could be 40 in Dublin. There was 10 in Cork. There was four or five in, in Limerick and Galway. There was local crossroads had their own radio station. You know, country villages had a radio station. It was phenomenal. Um, and again, provided employment. Yeah. Uh, but uh, and, and we've discovered too from the archives that have been given to us, like there was an ancillary industry, like all these companies that uh, uh, printed posters and everything, printed, you know, the, the rate cards. So everybody, the money has been spread around in, in, in business communities. That's extraordinary, really. It must have kept uh, because yeah, the poor guards, like one hundred fifty uh, well, radio stations, to try and close down. Uh, yeah, wouldn't... well, the law kind of the law was a bit of a, as they say, a bit of an ass. Um, it became kind of quasi legal. They found a loophole in the law. So from about nineteen eighty three onwards, there was no raid on any station. Uh, as such, uh, mm. they raided, of course, Radio Nova and Sunshine, but they were after. You know, going too far. Of course, Radio Nova tried to set up Pirate Television Nova. And that was too much for the government. Uh, so, and they hadn't tackled the idea of Pirate Radio because they were afraid to impinge upon the young people who would be voting and yeah. not upset them. So they had to have something in, in, in its stead, which was the independent radio bill. Uh, which led to the formation of stations like yourselves. Yeah, and and so very true because I like the, the the likes of Nova and Sunshine in those days. Even though pirates in heavily inverted commas, they were very mm. professional. Now I don't know. Everybody enjoyed being out in that, uh, being out in Port Marnock in, the, in that caravan that they broadcast from. It was a bit chilly by all accounts, but very professional uh, setups at the same time. Oh, and a professional sound, and I mean it, it also pushed RTE. Like it pushed them to be better, uh, and a lot, of course, the uh, pirate DJs went on to very successful careers within RT themselves. Yeah, yeah. Who to think? Brian Dobson. Yeah, Brian Dobson was a pirate. Dobson. Was a pa- uh, one-eyed pirate back in the day. Eamon, thanks yeah. a million for talking with us today. Uh, that was Eamon Bohan, their curator of the Irish Pirate Radio Archive in DCU. They're obviously talking to us as well.
uh, about Talca Row. Fiona says, I have vague memories of Talca Row. I was born in 1958. We didn't relate to it either, uh, really, from middle-class Dublin. But I remember it being on. Strangely, we preferred the Reardons. Uh, Sean the heartthrob in Talca Row ended up playing Bella in Fair City. Indeed, uh, he did. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.